Hello again, Pastor Deborah here. We are in another portion of the book, The Spiritual Multitude, volume number three. Now, we've been working through this in this new format for you instead of the other one. This is number 24. I think that's correct. Of this volume. But it is also another number in this new format. So we're beginning to work through the multitudes. I've been working through it. for I had volume one and volume two. We are now in volume three. And this part we're going to pick up right where we left off. This is an audio book that I wrote many, many years ago to help people. Now I'm putting it to video and audio podcast. In fact, the audiobooks have their own podcast show that's podcasted out to many stations, many social media platforms. So I want you to just sit back and listen. But before we do, let's pray so that our spirits are awakened and listening. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your words that are helping us to grow and learn about ourselves, about you, and about others. Help us through this book, The Spiritual Multitudes, volume number three, The Greatest Gift, Agape Love. Help us to see how you taught Pastor Deborah through movies and videos. Help us to learn and grow so that we may become all you desire for us to be. In the name of Christ Jesus, amen. We had left off with a prayer, and it had just finished. We were working through Jeremiah 23, verse 29 of the authorized King James Bible. And I'll go back over it. It says, verse 29, Is not my spiritual word, like as a fire, say I, the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock, the hard-hearted soul into pieces. We had been talking about that as a king, like the dwarves of Erebor in the movie The Hobbit, that you had to be a wise king, very knowledgeable about your enemy all of his weapons and you had to learn about the weapons that you must wield Gandalf showed us you must use words thoughts that be filled with love and power against the enemy and we had gotten to this point and we were in prayer for help so let's finish it so sir begin this spiritual unexpected journey like Bilbo did in his journey of the Hobbit. With me, by spiritually fulfilling these words in my spiritual life, you have to ask God, please help me. I got to go on a spiritual journey. God will come to you like Gandalf, invite you on a journey. And he will leave it to your free will to make the choice. So help us, Father, 
to spiritually understand that you spiritually sent your spiritual words of spirit and life into this dark spiritual world here on earth so that my heart, my spirit, and my soul could hear you as you spoke through your Old Testament prophet, Isaiah. So now we go to Isaiah 55, 11 through 13, the authorized King James Bible. I use that one because there's no commentaries. Guess what? I had to leave you for a little bit. Husband was working on one of my dressers in my room. So if I'm in a different position, if I look a little different, it's because I've been away for a little while. But I'm back. We were just getting into Isaiah 55, 11 through 13. And I'm going to do just verse 11 in this multitudes book. This part. Verse 11. So shall my spiritual word, ones of spirit and life, be that goes forth spiritually out of my spiritual mouth. It, my word, shall not return unto me, the Lord, the Most High God of heaven and all of creation, void, unfulfilled, not successful, empty, not producing any fruit. We learn that the word was sent. It was to produce, bring forth the results that this God desired when he spoke. He had the thought, the images, the desires in himself. So he speaks out. And he declared long ago that his word would not be void. It would not be empty. Oh, we'd be tried and tested, forgotten, hidden away, locked away in darkness. But it was always working. It would lay low for a long time. Maybe just come through nature or dreams or just to one person. But it was there. He said, my word shall, that goes forth from me spiritually, it will not come back void to me. I send it out and it will come fruitful, fulfill all that it is to do. That's a powerful statement. Are your words like that? Can you say that your words are always fulfilled? If yes, then if you say bad words, evil words, and you curse people, then that is what happened. Your words will fulfill those curses. They'll have a little help spiritually to do that. That's right. Because God's word was spirit and it was life. So there must be words of spirit that are death, mm -hmm. and there are. He says his words, they will be victorious, and his word shall spiritually accomplish all which he spiritually 
desired for it to do. His purposes would come to pass. It, his word, shall spiritually prosper. Even down here. Doesn't look like it sometimes. Looks like sometimes it's not prospering, being fruitful, or being fulfilled at all. But it is. It has some kind of power called the Holy Spirit. And it is backed up, filled with love, joy, and peace for all of humanity. And even all the creatures and the earth itself. He said his words are blessed. They're prosperous. You may not see it. It may only be happening in the spirit, to the spirit, for the spirit, the forever person. Because he says my words are spirit. They're words of spirit of another realm. They're words of life and light. Of the spirit and for the spirit. He says, I sent them. I sent my word. Wherever I sent it, wherever I purposed it to go, it will go. It will bring back its fruits to me. It will accomplish all that I seek in the word for it to do. The Holy Spirit is in the words, he says. And the Holy Spirit is my power to accomplish my work. It's the anointing I put on my words of spirit and life. Isaiah saw this. He wrote this. He heard this from the Holy Lord himself, the speaker of words. And that's to help us to understand the greatest gift. Verse number 12 of Isaiah 55. For you. My spiritual word, which I have spiritually breathed out of myself, out of my own mouth, shall spiritually go out with joy and be spiritually led forth, gone out in my spiritual peace. His word we learn later became flesh. It was placed inside a dirt body. The word was in the Holy Spirit, in the spirit called Christ, the son of the living God. The son of the living God with the word in it, infused in it, anointed by the Holy Spirit, was breathed out of God himself, sent forth, down here. And it went out of the heart of God, out of the mind of God, out of the kingdom of heaven, with joy, with thanksgiving, and with the peace of the Lord on it. It's like going before the king. He says, I have a mission for you to do. And you're told what it is. And he blesses you. He sends protection with you. And when you walk out of the throne room, the trumpets are sounding. The hands are clapping. You are going out on a great adventure, a great mission to another world. You're going out in peace with the Lord, with all of his backing and all of his 
authority, and dominion to accomplish in the new world, the new land that happened to be earth, all that this king desired for the inhabitants. To help us understand a little bit more about this word and how it went out in peace, the Webster's Dictionary, one of my wonderful, reliable dictionaries that I use, it defines the word peace as a state of tranquility or quietness. Two, freedom from trouble or discomfort. Three, free of oppressive thoughts or emotions. He is telling us not only he sent his word out in this condition to us, to a new world, to the undiscovered country, earth. A world that had belonged in the kingdom of heaven at one time. But it was lost to it. And now the owner has come back. And he's coming back in peace to us. And the word is bringing peace to us. It's free of oppressive thoughts or emotions. It has harmony in personal relation. There would be a harmony of the word to God. From God to all of humanity, and peace would be spoken. We hear that on the very night that this dirt body was born, and Christ came into the earth when angels sang, peace on earth, goodwill towards all men. Mm -hmm. Peace between the Father and humanity, the Father and lost children between the kingdom of heaven and the lost king had returned. Number five, peace, a pact or agreement to end hostility between those who had been at war or in a state of enmity. Humanity's forever person, the earth itself, all of creation, had been at war with this God. It had been perverted and twisted. It had fallen into darkness, into shadow, into the hands, the very adversary of peace itself, Satan, and now was being ruled by its kingdom of darkness and ignorance, terror and sin, and the fear of death. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life ruled down here. There was no peace. There was no peace in nature, no peace in the weather, no peace in the resources, no bountiful blessings all over the world. There was no peace between human and human, human and creatures. No peace. Only war. Number six, peace means it's not contentious or quarrelsome. Number seven, quietly behaved. That was the condition that was peace. This word of God would be sent in. Number eight, it was marked by freedom from strife or disorder. 
We learn a lot about that when we look at the life of Jesus the Christ and how he related to the Romans, how he related to being whipped, placed on a cross, didn't scream or yell. He went quietly. In between humanity and humanity, he was peaceful. He knew their condition. He knew he was sent to help them. Now, let's go to Luke 2, 7 through 20. Once again, in the authorized in the King James Bible. Verse 7. And she, Mary, brought forth her firstborn son and laid the baby in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn in Bethlehem. They had to go to Bethlehem, which was the hometown of her husband, Joseph, to be registered and to pay taxes. Verse 8, and this was Caesar Augustus who ordered this. He too had a part to play in all of this. And it was in this fullness of time that this peace of the Lord came. The word was sent, wrapped up in a baby. Verse number eight. And there was in the same country, Bethlehem, shepherds abiding in the field with their flocks, keeping watch over them during the night while their flocks, their sheep, would sleep. Verse 9, and in, and lo, that means, and suddenly, the angel, a messenger of the Lord, came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone, shined out from him, and to them, and they were afraid. Sometimes when you see an angel, that's of the Lord. You might feel the same way. Of course, they weren't expecting it. And it was dark out there. Verse 10. And the angel of the Lord said unto them, the shepherds out in the fields with the sheep, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. Verse 11, for unto you, all people, all humanity is born this day in this city of David, Bethlehem, which means the city of bread, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. Mm, that's a powerful statement. Verse 12, and this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly angels, the host of heaven, praising God 
and saying, verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. It had come. Godly love had arrived in the fullness of time. The greatest gift was born. It had become Emmanuel. In man was El, was God. God was in this baby in his spirit as Christ, the second, the original image and likeness of God. God had to come as one of us because we had disobeyed. He was going to go to a cross about 33 years later. Take all the punishment of all humanity for the sin of Adam in the garden. And free us from the fear of death. From being sent to hell. Trapped in prison cells. Trapped in our soul of ignorance and darkness. Trapped into slavery of Satan and his demons. The gift had come. The greatest thing, love, was sent. It had to be confirmed. The shepherds confirmed it. Angels confirmed it. Mm -hmm. Powerful, powerful day or night. Long ago, when this little one was born, he didn't come just with a spirit that was empty like all of humanity. He didn't come without the help of the word itself. He had the Holy Spirit in him. That's right. And he was here to do business on behalf of the greatest gift, the heart of a heavenly father. And that ends this part, part number 24 of volume three, the spiritual multitudes. The greatest gift. We'll leave it right there with the baby in the manger. You have to see how it came, why it came, the heart of the father, the sender, what came to learn about agape love, the greatest gift. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for those that have stopped by today, that have watched this and are learning and growing. And they are seeing that you love them so much that you sent yourself and you brought a gift of peace and love and joy to all humanity. And you took care of business for us so that we could be reconciled back to you and that we could be one again as a family for eternity. We thank you for you did this for our spirit. Because you are a God of spirit and you are a forever eternal being that desires to be in a spiritual family relationship with us, all of humanity, with our forever person, our spirit. Father, thank you. And for all those of you who desire to have him and accept his gift of agape love. For yourself, it is here right now. 
and he offers it to you freely. And you will be born again, brand new, his child. And you can be about his business as Pastor Dipper is. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Okay, I'll see you in part number 25, The Spiritual Multitudes, Volume 3. Agape love, the greatest gift. Bye.